Welcome to the Elegance in A podcast. I'm your host, Nay, and on this podcast, we talk about a variety of topics with amazing stories. Let's get into it, shall we? Hey guys, before we begin the show, we just want to give a quick shout out to TC's Art Gallery. That is Tia's and Tom, Tia's and Kat, S's and Sam Art Gallery. They do amazing social media advertisement, logo design, website design, and they even help with social media management. Check them out today at TC's Art Gallery, LLC.square.site. All right, let's start the show. Welcome back to the Elegance and Nate podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and we have someone new in the building today. We have the one and only Mr. Price in the building. How are you? Hey, it is an absolute pleasure. I'm happy to be here. I'm delighted to be a guest on the show, but please call me Fable. Feel it, Fable. So what inspired Fable? It was a pen name that was actually given to me. Um, so I was a sophomore junior in high school i was doing a camp at king chavez parks camp mm-hmm. um i was grew up in ipsy mm-hmm. um and there was this poetry slam workshop that was ran by the ann arbor poetry slam team the work that i was doing sounded like traditional fables they gave me the name fable that's what's up <laughs> and it just flowed ever since yeah i used it for a lot of open mics uh for a long time it was my pen name but mm-hmm. it's also my legal middle name so, oh wow fable. that's dope yeah. that's what's up so it just went right with the flow yeah i love yeah. it i love it so it's a new year new things how's the new year been treating you i feel really fortunate mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that with a lot of things in life a lot of people will be like man how do you feel fortunate but i i really really do you know i have breath in my lungs i going on a journey of figuring out what I want to do next and, mm-hmm. and what is important to me in life and what has value and what I want to do with my time. And I feel really fortunate to be able to have this time because some people don't get time like that. So yeah. I feel lucky. I feel like 2024 is a lot about growth, uh, about self-development, about self-discovery. And that's, that's where I'm at. I feel that. I feel that. So how have you been mentally and physically? How have I been mentally and physically? I feel like physically I feel good. I'm going to the gym like four days a week. Uh, I normally play softball two times a week, but you know, it's wintertime and we live in Michigan. Um, <laughs> yeah, Michigan weather crazy. So I'm looking to do like dodgeball. I like competitive cardio. Like, I feel that. Give me something I can try to win in. Um, <laughs> but so I feel really great. I've been eating well. I eat really healthy. That's the same. Um, so I feel like physically I feel great. Therapy once a week. Uh, I do my journaling, wake up every morning, write down my things that I want to manifest. So I feel, again, really fortunate. I feel better than I've felt before. Um, I'm feeling good. That's what's up. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. So let's start from the beginning. So you say you're from Inkster. Ipsy. 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 Sorry. Yeah, close. Close. Yeah, it was close. So you were born and raised there, right? Close. I'm Close. I'm like a, a Michigan nomad. <laughs> so like I I was born in Lansing. Okay. I was raised in Ipsy and Kalamazoo. Okay. Uh, and now I've lived on the east side of the, or on the west side of the state in Grand Rapids for the last 12, 13 years. 
Okay, okay, nice. So how were you um, growing up? Like, were you a very social butterfly or were you more so introverted to yourself? I have always been an introvert. I can, like, pretend that I'm an extrovert for a living, but I am, like, an introvert's introvert. Oh, wow. Um, I've always had a really wild imagination. Mm -hmm. So I've always kind of been in my own little world, creating, floating along, but Mm -hmm. I am an introvert okay mm-hmm. love being to yourself mm-hmm. all right so how were you in um high school how was it for you in high school i was high school that was a, a lot of learning about self <laughs> but i would say that uh in the first two years of high school i was like the super nerdy geeky kid mm-hmm. um so i'm a biracial black man mm-hmm. uh my mom is white um she didn't know where to take me to go get a haircut so i was like getting fried by kids in school because i had no hairline whatsoever and that was tragic um and i dressed terribly uh and it was like sophomore year in high school i met this uh i came across this woman who i won't i won't name her because it's like the world is small michigan is small um (laughs) yes that's true but I got like the courage to ask her to the coming home dance. Mm. And I was like, you know what? This is my time to shine. Mm. And I pulled her to the side and was like, hey, you know, I got a question for you. And she was like, yeah, what's up? I'm like, will you go to the coming home dance with me? And she like took a step back and like looked at me up and down. <laughs> like, take your glasses off. I took my glasses off. <laughs> she was sizing you up. <laughs> <laughs> she was sizing you up. And she up. was like, you know what? She's like, if you got better shoes and you dress better and you got contacts instead of glasses and you got a haircut, I would definitely go to the dance with you. Um, <laughs> she changed like the whole trajectory ah! of you. Like, oh my goodness. Um, and that summer I like went to my grandma's house. And I was like, Grandma, give me chores. Give me something to do. So I worked all summer long, chopping wood, weeding the garden. Uh, <laughs> Said I worked hard house. for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I came back the next school year. Tall tees were in at the time. I was ready to go. Um, sneakers A one. Uh, my mom was like, "Hey, you know, what do you what glasses do you want to get this year? Because I'd have to get glasses every year because I'm so blind." Mm. Um, I was like, "I don't want glasses. I want contacts." Um, and in that year, I came to school. People were like, oh, my gosh, who is that? Uh, <laughs> Looking totally they, different. Yeah, and then girls were actually checking for me. And I was like, oh, I ain't going to do myself. <laughs> and then she was like, so I see you listening to me. And she was like, you want to go to the dance with me? And I said, <laughs> See? Um, it'd be like that. But I say that to say I was a nerd for most of the time and um, really came into myself probably sophomore, junior year. Mm. Um but I was also going through a lot at home. Um, so I acted out a lot in school. I got suspended a lot. Um, I got in a lot of fights. I didn't do very good in school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So it was like a huge roller coaster. Yes. There was a lot going on in high school for sure. Mm-hmm. So how are you going into now? Did you go to college as well? I didn't go to school. No, um, mm-hmm. I, I went like little bits here mm-hmm. and there, but I never got like an associate's. I never gotten a, a degree. Mm-hmm. It was really just too expensive for me. Mm-hmm. I had to pay my way through life 
at like 17, 18. Mm. Um, so you I, had to do adulthood early. Yeah. Yeah. There was no like, oh, let me, you know, stay at mom's house until mm. X, Y, Z or until whatever's next. Mm. Um, it was like, all right, we got to get a job. We got to pay the bills. Right. Um, so paying for school felt impossible on top of paying for rent, on top of mm. paying for public transit, on top of paying for food. Yeah. I didn't really ever learn how to cook. So I was eating out. Um, so life got expensive. And yeah. So school seemed like less and less of an option. And before I knew it, um, I was just doing jobs and working full time. And it probably wasn't until maybe I was like 20 mm -hmm. that I really started falling into poetry, into spoken word the second time. Mm -hmm. And that's where I really started performing and putting my all into the creative side of what I do. Because it was like an outlet for you. It was. I was like going to open mics. And I had always, I've been writing since I was like a senior in high school, mm. um, junior, senior in high school. And I just didn't have anything to do with it. Mm. Uh, but I kept writing. You know, mm -hmm. deaf poetry was big. That's when YouTube started to come out. Poets were on YouTube. Right. Like crazy videos. Yeah. Um, and I was like, man, that's what I want to do. And I started hitting open mics and performing and people were like, who is this person? Mm -hmm. um, it was really bad, but I thought it was great. Um, and, and people <laughs> thought it was great, but it wasn't great. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I started putting a whole lot of time and energy into performing. It sounded like you learned your strengths and weaknesses in the mix of the moments. Yeah, I would say at the time, I was probably fueled by a lot of egos. I wouldn't say that I learned my weaknesses. I would just say it's like, over time you go back. Mm -hmm. And like you look at things and you realize like how much you grew as a person and a creative mm -hmm. and you're just like, oh man, that doesn't necessarily resonate with me yeah. like it used to. Or like, man, that was really lazy writing or mm -hmm. like the, the concept behind that wasn't as thought out as it could have been. Yeah. And now I'm just, I think I, I like my writing a lot more in the season of my life. Okay. So what really fueled that, that passion or that desire of your writing at the time? I think it's always been things that I've gone through. Mm -hmm. I've always used writing as an outlet. I've used yeah. it like as a journal. So a lot of my writing was really selfish. It was about me. But a lot of times it ended up helping other people because they could relate to it. Mm -hmm. And I never wrote it for anybody else. I only ever wrote it for myself. But when you start to share it, that's mm -hmm. when it becomes something for more than you. It becomes something for the world. I feel that. I feel that. So now that you've, because uh, you've kind of elaborated a little bit on going into adulthood a little early for you, I was going to ask, like, how was that transition from the high school version of you going into adulthood? I would say, again, complex. Yeah. Uh, I fell into drinking it like 2021 mm -hmm. hard. Um I'm somebody who is very much an all or nothing human being in every single thing that I do in life. So if I was going to drink, I was going to drink. <laughs> um, and I did. And yeah. uh, so that made life a lot harder than I knew or intended life to be. Mm -hmm. At like age 21, 22 is when I moved to Grand Rapids. Mm -hmm. um, and growing up on the east side of the state, things are very different culturally than on the west side of the state yeah uh, and i was used to handling confrontation and issues very differently, differently yeah. 
than people were used to on the west side. Mm. So I got into a, a couple skirmishes. Uh, <laughs> and the next thing I knew, I was having assault charges pressed against me and I was oh, in wow. jail. Uh, and then I was then I was learning about the legal system while I was drinking and while I was in my young 20s. Yeah. Uh, and I was poor. So when you're poor and you get stuck in the cycle of the legal system, it keeps you in the legal system. Yeah. Uh, so then I learned uh, America's uh, how these systems work here in America. Yeah. Uh, and was a part of that for a few years until I got the stability to pay my way out of those systems mm. um and continued to kind of stumble through life <laughs> for some years yeah yeah it's like you're saying it's so casually but you're like it was a lot at the same time oh yeah in the moment <laughs> it's like my life is on fire my world is ending things are terrible yeah um, but little do you know things are going to get significantly worse yeah um yeah. and those things that feel like oh my gosh this is terrible mm. in the grand scheme of things are like eh, it wasn't good but i you got through it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think when we go through hardships, we always have a eventually either we'll find an outlet for ourselves or we'll find a way to like, you know, drift into a better outlook or take mm -hmm. life on differently or, you know, just see things differently once we grow up a little bit. I agree. Because I feel like if we if we bump our head a couple of times, how are we gonna be able to learn to not bump our head anymore? Yeah. You know, so, it, or we know, that's how we'll know also like, oh, do we, hey, let's not go down this way because this way don't look too great. Let's go down that way because this seems a little better. Yeah. So, yeah, I can, um, I definitely understand where you're coming from with like the, the, that whole trajectory of like, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a lot. So, yeah. So how was it um, coming up about um, creating your business? Yeah, so I would say that when I created, so I've, I've had the, the privilege and the honor of creating a few different things. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things that I started to create was my LLC for me being an artist and a performer. Mm -hmm. um, and when I first started it, it felt impossible. Like it was like, how do I apply for this? Mm -hmm. Like it, it felt so inaccessible the language the systems the everything felt so outdated yeah um and that was really really hard in, in the beginning years even though it's simple the the reapplying or the the renewing of the llc felt like something that was hard for me to grasp or schedule yeah um but over time that got a little bit easier in 2015 um is when i started uh, the diatribe. I filed mm -hmm. the articles of incorporation with that nonprofit organization. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was, a, a wild journey. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a journey that I feel like I'm still unpacking and learning from, mm -hmm. but it was a nonprofit organization, uh, that we took from filing the articles of incorporation. So it didn't have a budget, um, and then scaled that to being like a $4 million organization. Uh, in the last year of me oh, wow. being the executive director, raised somewhere around $6 million nice. um, to create a youth center uh, in our city named after Mr. Emery Douglas, uh, who was the minister of culture for the Black Panthers oh, wow. uh, during his tenure. Um, and we did a bunch of amazing things. That organization still does a ton of amazing things. Mm -hmm. um, so 
that with one business and then now started a new consulting business, the regroup. Mm. Um, so just got that website all live and set up and I'm excited to start taking clients with that. It's a creative strategies and problem solving company. Awesome. Um, so that feels really, really, really exciting. Yeah. Uh, I also just became a certified death doula. Um, so I have a really unique experience with walking close and alongside people who are dying. Um, and I was like, man, what if I could use these experiences to help others as they are navigating grief uh, in the death and dying process? So uh, in part of my midlife crisis, I was like, let's become a death doula. Um, yeah. So I haven't started taking clients yet with that, but I'm building out the website to where I can start doing that as well. Um, but I would say that all of those businesses kind of have their own unique hurdles when it comes to starting those businesses mm -hmm. uh, and have their own unique hurdles when it comes to keeping up those businesses. Uh, but also I'm somebody who likes to drink out of a fire hose. So it's like also like there's a lot going on, but like my brain is, is used to that. It's probably a trauma response. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. It's like where you're comforting it. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, in the trauma. Yeah, the lot. Yeah, live there. Yeah. <laughs> But it sounds like you're really diving into so many different fields, so many different things, but they're also in a way connected in some way, shape or form. Yeah, I would say that that's very accurate. So like I'm combining a lot of what I'm doing into almost like my idea, my individual identity as a creator. Mm -hmm. So like the, the new website that's getting ready to be launched is all marcelfableprice.com and it's mm -hmm. like there people will be able to learn about me as the artist learn about me as the doula mm -hmm. learn about me as the the, the multi-hyphenate creative it's all of you yes um but if people are like oh man i want to work with that person in a professional sense when it comes to consulting there'll be like a link to the regroup page that will bring them there for that mm -hmm. um that way everything is all under one umbrella um so i'm trying to get better at like consolidating these things that way I can also track, all right, what's the revenue from these different things so I understand where I need to put energy um, or where I need to prioritize my time. Um, but that's a, a process that I feel like I'm doing in real time. Yeah, I feel like every stage is a process and we can't rush certain things either. Because I feel like if the more that we put our time into things and we try to rush things, the things we wind up missing something. Facts. So I feel like if we take our time, then we'll be able to carry on our mission lightly and have everything fully officiated the way we see it out to be. I, I agree. That is that is the better way to do things. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> hey guys, it's Shadow Break Time. We want to give our love and support to the one and only Fable with this company called The Regroup that specializes in brand creation, rebranding, creative solutions, community outreach strategies, organic placement intuitives, nonprofit consulting, for-profit guidance, and nuanced problem solving in a world that is constantly evolving. He also has a company that's dedicated to his government name called Marcel Fable Price, and it's a multi-hydronate, self-directed, intuitive creative whose primary medium is stranded somewhere between auditory expression and creative writing. If you want to know more, his information will be down below in the description, or you can go to his website called www.theregroup.co, that is T H E 
regroup.co or shout out to the Instagram at regroup.co and shout out to his Facebook at Marcel Fabo Price down below in this description that'll show you more all right back to the show so in the beginning um you chose um the word peace out of our segment and what's the first thing that comes to mind and how important is peace in your life peace is incredibly important i think it's really hard because it wasn't until maybe even the last year mm-hmm. that I really started to prioritize peace. Yeah. Um, the last four years of my life have been pretty tumultuous. Mm-hmm. Um, I was married to the love of my life, and uh, she got diagnosed with cancer, uh, late stage cancer, stage 3B metastatic mm-hmm. breast cancer. Um, and we navigated that beautifully. Uh, we got married, had a COVID wedding. Mm -hmm. Uh, at that time I was the best version of myself as a husband, as a partner. Mm -hmm. Um, I was juggling doing 20, 30 school programs a year as well as never missing a doctor's appointment. Um, shortly after that, we thought we beat cancer. Um, then cancer came back uh, and it mutated and it became a very rare and aggressive form of breast cancer. And they gave her 12 to 18 months to live. Uh, and I made the really inappropriate decision to pour into work like an outlet. And I worked obsessively. Um, I was working probably, you know, 70 hours a week, a lot of weeks. Um, on top of being a caregiver, on top of serving on multiple different boards and committees. And I became a really ugly version of myself. Um, I was so obsessed with doing um, almost as a way to not feel. And there was no peace. It mm-hmm. was just like living in the fire and lighting more fires. Um, and while I got a ton done, it was like, I was like operating in super Saiyan mode. Like I reached this level of function that I didn't even know existed. It was really unhealthy. And it wasn't until my wife died. Um, and yeah, me too. Um, it wasn't until my wife died. Um, and then until I needed to make the choice to leave the organization that I built, um, that I actually had the first time to just like sit. Um, I had the honor of traveling across the country via train and um, spreading my wife's ashes across the Pacific Coast Highway Mm -hmm. uh, in California. And that was the first time that I actually had to just be with myself. And that felt so liberating. Mm -hmm. And that stillness felt so uncomfortable. And that's when I realized that I wasn't even comfortable just being with myself, just sitting with myself. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until a little bit later down the line where I would step away from the organization that I actually had time to just continue to be, to sit with myself and to, and to be in solitude and to find peace and to find what peace was. Yeah. And now 
it's something that I value so much that I don't think that I would allow myself to lose it, um, mm. which is really backwards from how I've lived the last 10 years of my life. Yeah, I can understand that. So like we have our moments of not acknowledging our how strong and powerful peace is until we get faced with a hard reality mm-hmm. or get a hard reality check on something yeah so i i definitely feel you and i could tell that that was a very very hard moment for you too yeah yeah it was imagine. the impossible for sure yeah. Um, yeah so how have you been carrying that though have you been getting do you feel like you're getting better with learning more of who you are or how are you how have you been navigating through that too yeah i would say messy I would say like there's times where I'm doing really, really great and there's times where I'm not doing really great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm somebody who doesn't uh, smoke or drink um, or drug. I'm a sober kid. Mm-hmm. So people are like, well, what do you do? What's your advice? And for a while it was intimacy um, mm-hmm. and that can make your life real messy. Um, even when you're honest, it can make things messy. Yeah. Um, so I would say that that is hard, you know, whenever feelings are involved. Um, I would say that now, I would say that, uh, again, there was a lot of me that wasn't comfortable being with myself. So it was almost like being with others is a way of not being with myself. Yeah, it's um, kind of like an escape. Yeah, for sure. Which, I mean, is a lot of vices. Um but it's, I feel like it's a little bit harder because it's like when you're, you know, smoking or doing meth or drinking, um, you're really only disrupting yourself. You're disrupting others, yeah. you know, by a degree of separation. But when it comes to, like, romance and intimacy, it's like you're directly intertwining with somebody else. Um, but I, I say that all to say, uh, yeah, I there's times where I'm doing really good, where I'm just, like, getting in my routine, mm-hmm. walking the dog eating well creating um and then there's times where it's like i don't want to leave my house or leave the bed or um where i'm just crying uh and looking at pictures and that are hard it's like it's a mixture of all these things there's days where i'm really highly functioning and then there's days where i just can't function yeah it's like a roller coaster of emotion like Mm -hmm. you don't really know like oh you wake up like oh what's what's gonna be like today yeah yeah, yeah, so it's sure. literally like that. So um, how is it when you carrying yourself into the business aspect or separating yourself from the business and personal life? Do you Are you intertwining the two as yourself? Oh, or? yeah, I'm terrible at it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah I'm real bad. Um, that's, that's part of yeah, what, what happened with the, the organization that I founded. So I'm somebody who like almost to a fault is the same person every single space that I'm in. That's good. Uh, if I'm it, it, to a degree, <laughs> um, it's like uh, a lot of people see it as refreshing because mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, this person is genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, it can come off as really unprofessional um, if somebody's like, oh, you know, this is how you're supposed to 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 act in a in a professional setting. 
Um, and also when it comes to corporate America, when it comes to nonprofits, mm-hmm. people have, you know, these hard expectations on how people are supposed to function in, in spaces. But some of those things come from like a wild professionalism standards and white supremacy culture and all of these other things. But also some of them come down to like, oh man, you know, if you're mad at somebody and they're your friend, you can't say, hey man, you need to leave me alone or throw an F-bomb in there. It's like, no, that's your employee. That's not your friend, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like, you need to walk this tightrope of like, no, like, all right, I need to be professional in professional spaces and mm-hmm. I need to be interpersonal with my interpersonal connections. Yeah. Um, and really like putting these different versions of myself and these different aspects of myself in mm-hmm. different buckets. And that's something that I feel like I've, I've started to get really, really good at is I've started to identify who my people are, who my tribe is, what are personal and professional connections, yeah. um, letting them live in the spaces where they live and not merging the two. I would say in this season of my life, I'm getting better at that, but historically I was terrible at it. I feel that. I think that it's, it's for some people, it depends on how your character is, how you carry yourself, mm-hmm. or also the energy or how people make you feel when you're in a certain space. Yeah, That usually shows of how if you if you're supposed to be professional if someone's being super friendly mm-hmm. or they feel like you're talking to a friend it's kind of hard to be just instantly professional yeah versus when you're in a personal setting you're like okay you know and now we're talking about business do i talk business or do i just talk my same way you and know I, and i think yeah that's that's part of the tightrope is like a, one of my former uh employees reached out to me today co-worker uh, and he was like, man, I wish the way that you, I miss the way that you affirm me. I wish the, I, I miss the way that you like pour into me mm-hmm. um, because I'm very much like, I'm going to big people up. Like I'm going I'm to build up people. I'm going to, I'm going to shower them mm-hmm. in, in love and appreciation. But also it's like when things go hard at work, like that can almost feel like, man, when I'm doing good, I'm being poured into it with all of these great things. And like when things are hard, there's this distance. Yeah. Um, and that can be hard to to navigate in an interpersonal way, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like even outside of that, when it comes to like artistry and personal art and being an entrepreneur, it's like, oh man, I want to support this person's business because they always support me. But it's like, where does that end? Like, yeah. does it, does That's it end a good because you... <laughs> Are like oh you're a fan of their food or mm-hmm. do you not like their food but you like them as a person so you yeah. want to support them as a person mm-hmm. or does it end with like oh you know they just got this job and you know they're they're really not consistent when it comes to their you know culinary skills mm-hmm. but it's like mm, do i want to make this professional connection with this because they're not consistent but also <laughs> i do support them and right. it's like you're constantly <laughs> going through this way um so like i feel juggle effect yeah yeah. And I feel like it's hard for me because I'm somebody It's like, if I'm a ride for somebody, I'm a ride for them until the wheels fall off. And that's just how it is. And it's just like, no, you can't operate that way. Yeah. Because there's number one, there's not always reciprocity. Number two, people don't always see the value in you the way you see in them, or you don't always see the value in them the way they see in you. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you got to constantly go through this process of checking and catalog mm-hmm. and categorizing cataloging where do I feel where am I at where are they at yeah um and you have to constantly check in on those friendships or else you're gonna let people down at the end of the day hurt is inevitable like there's going to be hurt yeah but you can mitigate that by constantly going through a process of refinement that's very true 
I feel like um, that really balances of how much do you really want to pour into people or as soon as you get to know someone, it makes you instantly think of, okay, I'm getting to know them now. Where do I want to go with this? Mm -hmm. Or how do I want to flow with this? And then also like, again, the tightrope of like, let me not make this like an exchange, right? Of where it's like, oh man, what can I do for them? And then you, are you the person that's constantly pouring into other people? Is there going to be a time where you feel like you're not being poured into then? So then now do you feel exhausted when in all actuality you can't expect others? You can't expect yourself out of others. And then it's like this, just like, so it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's like a whole rope. Once again, another roller coaster. Another roller coaster. So, the human experience. Yeah, absolutely. So, also in the beginning, we had you choose a number between one through 10, and you chose six. And number six is called Play on the Spot Game. And we pretty much, it's like, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word or a statement? Okay. So, um, the first thing we want to say, let's see, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of adultery? Oh, everyone. <laughs> Man, for a long time, I was a dog. I was a D-O-G. Um, <laughs> I feel like until I met my wife, mm-hmm. I don't know if I was like faithful or committed to, to anyone. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I met her where she was like, I was honest and I was just like, hey, I don't think I'm a monogamous human being. I don't think that I could be faithful to somebody. And she was like, let's try it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, dang, this is, I didn't know somebody would even say that. I thought I was going to get thrown away. <laughs> um, but I, I would say that <laughs> when I hear the word adultery, um, I don't, I think, I think fuck shit. I think like, I think, uh, I think I also, I'm constantly trying to weigh out like the different sides of human nature. And I feel like when I also hear adultery, I hear, I think of a failure to communicate. I think of like a inability to vocalize needs to step away from unhappiness. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of like the need for growth because it's so unnecessary. Yeah. Um, but humans always want to have their cake and eat it. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> now, before we close, did you have any questions that you would like to ask? I guess, like, how did you get into this? And I think even more importantly, I think, besides how did you get into this, what is your why? What is your North Star? What guides Nay into why, why you do what you do and how you do it? um for me I feel like it's because I'm a people person and I actually like being around people even though I have my introvert moments of course like everyone else but I just like hearing other stories like to know where people come from what's their journey because you can always see a cover but what's beneath the surface what's in between the chapters um like I said before I always say a statement of like if I come in a library and I come across a book with their name on it. What's, what's in the chapters, what I'm going to open, what's, mm-hmm. what's to expect, like, who are you, you know? And, or if I'm walking down the street and I see a storefront with their name on it, what's on the outside, what's in that glass. Okay. That's a nice, you know, inviting mm-hmm. image. Okay. Let's open the door. What's on the inside. What's on the front. What's to, you know, let me look around. Let's see what's of interest. Oh, it's a back door. What's in the storage room. Oh, can I go mm-hmm. a deeper dive? You know, 
So I just think of things in that nature to really better understand who who I'm amongst. And because I network with a lot of people through my own businesses, but it's really having people be able to get to know me first before getting to know my territories or getting to know my platforms. So I try to carry myself in that way because people are so busy. When we are entrepreneurs, we're sometimes in that work mindset that we present our business before we present who our name is or present who we are. So I've learned to switch that trajectory and try to invite others of getting to know who Nay is or, you know, my government, I don't take that. Mm-hmm. But get to know who Nay is and then invite them to know my businesses afterwards. They get to, after they get to know a little bit about who I am. That's beautiful. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> so what got you into creating the podcast? I know you said you're somebody who loves stories and you mm-hmm. love connecting with people's stories but why a podcast why this platform it's crazy because last year i was having a one-on-one moment um because i'm a very spiritual woman and i was just having you know one-on-one with god i was like i want to learn more of your kids stories i want to know more people because i always meet new people all the time just like i met you mm-hmm. and i was just like i want to know who these people are that i'm meeting because they can tell you who they are briefly but really who are you how did you become this person that you are so ever since i had that mindset i just i wind up hosting a podcasting event last year and a lot of the people um there they was like oh well you're a cool person when are you gonna have your podcast and i was just like oh, i didn't think of it like that at all and then i just started it and had my season one and it wind up getting Google certified and went from there. Oh. So yeah, I just wanted to just keep kept going with it. And I was like, now I'm at season two and yeah. overbooked or I'm at season three now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it's just been it's just really dope ever since. It's something that I do in my spare time or that I can do to relax besides so much in the business mind, you know. So I guess my last question is why is Detroit the best city in the world? Mm, I don't even know. I think because we're so creative. We are so creative. It's so many passions of creativity that comes and flows out of Detroit. It's crazy. Like, it doesn't matter if we're mural artists, we don't, if we're vocal artists, if we're like, literally, we speak in so many different ways, shapes, and forms through art or literally we define art in so many ways and it's really dope to me and that's why I love it I love I love my city I really do of course there's other cities but I feel like for my city for our city it's like we we go crazy when it comes to if you were to put not in any order but you know you have Detroit as your number one what are what is a number two a three and a four city that you like that would be in like your top five Mm. That's hard because I have to travel more for me to put it in that trajectory. Um, yeah, I can't really, can't pinpoint that right now. Where have you been? I've been to a lot of places. Okay. I just don't know as far as the cities just yet. Because mm. I've been to, um, oh, geez, I've been to North Carolina. I've been to Washington. I've Where been in North to, Carolina? Oof, I think Charlotte. Charlotte's a great city. Yes, I've been there. And then I went to, like I said, Washington, went to New York, New Jersey, New Chicago many times, Ohio, uh, New York and Chicago Texas right briefly, now. not really long, Toronto. Have you been to Houston? No. You got to go to Houston. 
yeah, I gotta go a lot of places. I'm still traveling, guys. But but yeah, it's it's been it's been something. I'm, it's it's a lot of my bucket list. But so far, I had the opportunity and leverage to be able to travel a little bit due to my mom. So that was really cool. Um, but yeah, if you can, uh, there's actually a train that goes from Michigan to New Orleans, mm. and if you take like a week, take a train, it'll take like a day or two down to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. You could spend part of the week in New Orleans, go over to Houston, spend part of the week in Houston. Um, and then that drive in between the two places has mm-hmm. like a lot to see throughout the, the bayou and all of that. Um, I'll keep that in mind. But then, yeah, mm-hmm. you can come back via, via train or plane. But New Orleans is also a spot that is like crazy. Chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I also... Um... I also love Toronto too. Toronto is one of my favorites. Oh wow! Okay, we'll we'll talk about that actually. Um, so are we doing a part two? Because I do want to talk a little bit more on that now that you stated that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll 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 see. Um, (laughs) Let's see what listeners think and if they want to hear other stories or why. band from canada that we can we can get through. all right guys make sure to stay tuned for that part two or listen out on our patreon or become you have to become a subscriber though in order to get that part two do you have any closing statements before we before we go no uh thank everybody for tuning in and supporting a uh if you want to learn more about me you can look up marcel fable price on almost anything <laughs> uh you can go to marcelfableprice.com the website should be live then the regroup.co um, or you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, and my link tree is probably out there somewhere, but yeah, hit me up. Yeah. All of his, all of his information will be down below guys in the description until next time guys. See ya. It's a wrap. It was great seeing you. We're so happy you joined us for this episode. Can't wait to see you next time. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe and check out our information down below in the description. See you till next time. Bye.